Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Uh, welcome to the High Kirk this Sunday morning to our communion service. Uh, we'd like to give a warm welcome to any visitors that are here and also to those listening by telephone or, or watching online. Uh, a wee reminder about the communion cup is when we take communion that when you open it up, you've got to take the foil off first and then separately take the wee plastic bit off so you've got two, two layers. Um, Hopefully nobody will have any problems. Um, a couple of meetings on this week. Uh, the Guild are on Thursday at 1.30 in the church hall for their Christmas party or gathering. Um, and on Wednesday at 1.30 again in the church hall, the discipleship group. Um, you see from the uh, order of service the fantastic amount that we raised or donated for Gift Sunday, as well as all the gifts that were handed in. There was also financial uh, donations of £570, so well done, fantastic. Um, and having now given for Gift Sunday, there's now another box over there uh, for Sammy's school. Uh, so if you feel led to, to give, then you know that, that box will be there each Sunday. And then the Christmas Eve offering, offering will also go uh, to Sammy's school. Um, can I just remind folks, um, when leaving, we should keep an adequate distance. Uh, we don't have social distancing, you know, back in, but with the new variant and about, if you just be, be aware that, and give people their, their safe distance. Thank you very much. I'll now hand over to Scott. Well, it's lovely to worship together, especially on Communion Sunday. I know many have spoken to me that they've been looking forward to a time where we can just have communion once again, where we can celebrate the Lord together in this way. And so this morning we're going to join together at the Lord's Supper. But we're going to begin by worshipping the Lord together as we sing in this beautiful paraphrase. For those who remember the paraphrases in the Church of Scotland, these are hymns based on the scriptures. And this is a beautiful hymn, All Nations That in Darkness Pined, and will stand as we worship.
Well, let's unite our hearts in prayer. Let's pray. Oh, our gracious and heavenly Father, we come this day to the place of rest as we celebrate at your table. And Lord, we come at your invitation and command. And therefore, we run into your presence here today with joy and thanksgiving. Oh Lord, may the dew of heaven, the heavenly fragrance of Christ, sweeten our fellowship as we worship in your presence. And as we wait upon you, oh, may drops of mercy and forgiveness touch our lips and cleanse our hearts afresh and renew a right spirit within us. Oh, may the Shekinah glory of your presence. Now, Lord, dispel all darkness, every cloud that comes across our hearts and minds that brings such a shadow. Oh, Lord, create a soul thirst for, for you. And Lord, we ask that you would restore life and joy as we celebrate Christ, our conquering and soon coming King. Oh, may the shower of blessing fall, bringing refreshing and renewal. Oh, that we can sing with the hymn writer. Let it come, O Lord, we pray thee. Let the shower of blessing fall. We are waiting, we are waiting. Oh, revive the hearts of all. Lord, as we worship in the quietness of this place, and Lord, for those also listening at home, oh, let us experience your tangible presence. And may that presence fill the sanctuary of this place, but also the sanctuary of our hearts. Quicken us, Lord, by your enabling spirit. Oh, that we may be transformed more into the likeness of Christ our Saviour. And Lord, as we bow our hearts in prayer, oh, we lift our voices in praise unto the King Eternal, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And in thanksgiving, Lord, we now share together the Lord's Prayer, praying together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. Well, we take our Bible reading from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 2. Matthew's Gospel in chapter 2, and we read from the first 12 verses. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. 
When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Amen. May the Lord bless us the reading of his precious word. Well, let's return to Matthew's gospel there in chapter 2. And I know this is a very familiar story, especially at this Christmas time. The Magi's arrival there in Bethlehem. Well, can I ask maybe some questions this morning? It's a question that many ask. Who are they? <laughs> Who are they? We often look on our Christmas cards and we see these three kings of Orient are. <laughs> and we see them there at the stable with the shepherds. We see them in our nativity scenes. Who were they? Well, one thing we do know is that they weren't kings. They weren't kings at all. They were magi. They were wise men. And I'll explain a wee bit more in what the understanding in the scriptures are of the magi. But can I also take away another picture away from you? Remember, Jesus has already been born. We've moved away from the stable. We're not at the stable. The wise men did not arrive at the stable. They were the animals and the shepherds and get that scene away from your mind. This is possibly months later or some have argued that this could be even maybe a year or two later. And maybe that's why Herod said to go and kill any child two years and younger. Well, we're not too sure when it was, but we know it was after the birth. There now, as you read in Matthew's Gospel, the, the wise men, the magi, came to the house. The word used here is a house where Mary and Joseph were now living in Bethlehem. So it's sometime later, and we're told that these wise men came from the east. They were called magi, the magios. When you read in ancient literature, 
You notice that these magi or the magios were, they were a priestly political caste, especially there in the Babylonian Empire and the Persian Empire in general. They had their magios, they had their magi. And these magi, they were the wise counsellors to the king. They were very, very influential. They had the highest ranks. The king would trust these wise men, these wise advisors, these counsellors. And we're told that they were very, very knowledgeable, especially in astronomy and astrology. They were known for interpreting dreams. And on some writings, we notice that they also practiced the occult. They were involved in sorcery as well. Nebuchadnezzar, in Daniel chapter 2, calls upon the Magi to come and interpret his dreams. You'll notice that in the English translation, it's the magicians. And so that's where you get the term the magician. Also, magistrate <laughs> comes from that same root as well. They were advisors. And sometimes, yes, they, they were like magicians. They practiced sorcery and all things. But the Bible normally condemns those offices. The Magi don't come out in a good light through the Bible. So isn't it amazing that it's these Magi that would come, that God would call them to come and adore Christ? Matthew, yes, he writes his gospel. This Jesus, oh, come and adore him. But it's not just for the Jews. It's for the Gentiles too. Even the Magi can come. Prostitutes can come. Drunkards can come. Publicans and sinners, you're welcome. Those who have made a mess of their life, who are at rock bottom, oh come. And Matthew wants to tell us, even the Magi came. And here they are. I also believe that Matthew's putting up here a contrast for us. Because notice that when these wise men, the, the counsellors to the kings of Babylon and there in Persia, even in the book of Esther, you'll read about the Magi that were there in the courts of Esther and how they were used. They would advise. They were also involved in the appointing of a king. Isn't that amazing? Without the Magi, you couldn't have a king anointed or appointed or installed. And so here we have the Magi coming to Bethlehem. But did you notice the other wise men? Here in Matthew's Gospel in chapter 2, we notice that there was other wise men. They were the chief priests and the scribes of Herod. And they were known as the wise men. Herod's advisors, his counsellors, the ones that he trusted the most. And what a contrast. Herod, when the Magi came. Now remember... There wasn't just three magi. I don't believe that. The Bible doesn't tell us that there were just three. 
We know that they weren't kings. And so now, yes, we know that they were magi. They were the counselors, the advisors. These wise men came. And I believe there could have been hundreds who came from the east. We do know that there were three gifts. (laughs) Gold, frankincense and myrrh. And I think that's probably why many of us have had this picture of three wise or three kings, three wee kings, because they all had a gift each. Well, I know that every Christmas I give my wife more than three gifts, but it doesn't mean that there's more than three of me. And so here, I believe there were crowds who came from the east along with these magi. And as they came now into Jerusalem, oh, there must have been a fuss. Remember, Simeon and Anna already have met with Christ. And I'm sure there's been talk in the city already. Things have been said. Hope beginning to rise. And now it comes to the courts and the ears of Herod himself that these magi have come that uh, uh, crowds from the east have come with all maybe their colourful robes and cloaks. And, and so Herod finds out what's happening. For they have come because they believe that the king of the Jews has been born. Where is he? Where is the one who we can worship? Now notice Herod's wise men. They knew the location straight away. They knew that he was to be born in Bethlehem. And so that tells you that they knew their scriptures. Yes, they could quote Micah chapter 5 verse 2 onwards. Yes, they knew their scriptures. And so they knew the location of his birth. But oh, they didn't know the Saviour. Isn't that revealing? These so-called wise men of Herod... Oh, they knew the scriptures, but they didn't know the Lord. They knew their Bibles, but they didn't have a relationship with Christ. They knew their religion inside out, but they had no heart for Christ. And they were certainly not willing for Jesus to reign as king over them. And instead, isn't it amazing who their king is? King Herod. Who was King Herod? He was an Edomite. An Edomian. He was, he, he was an Edomite. Deuteronomy chapter 17 verse 15 tells us that a foreigner was never to be king in Israel. You were not to make a foreigner a king over you. He was to be amongst your brothers. He was to be one of you. Not a foreign king. And so Herod was their king. An Edomite. How did he become king? Well, he went to Rome and he became very good friends with Augustus Caesar. And he persuaded Caesar that he could be trusted. He was faithful. He would serve Caesar. And Caesar was persuaded and he made King Herod. He made Herod king over Israel. He was a puppet king for Rome. And he was hated. He, he did some wonderful things too. He, he was a great man for his buildings. He, uh, one of the 
some of these great buildings throughout Israel and other places too, Herod had an influence in. But oh, he was a tyrannical king too. He was so jealous. He, he became king and he was always threatened that someone would take his kingship. He had his sons assassinated, even his beloved wife. He had many wives, but his favorite wife, he had her strangled. He was convinced that she had committed adultery. And then later it was proven that she hadn't. And so because of his guilt, he built her. Part of the temple was dedicated to her. <laughs> King Herod. And his, his favorite wife was also the, she was a Maccabean princess. And he really married her because that would legitimize him as king over Israel. That he could then claim that, well, he's got a, Jew, a Jewish wife. And hopefully that would make him more acceptable to Israel. But oh, it didn't. Not one bit. You know, before he died, he organized to have the, <clears throat> the well-loved leaders of Jerusalem. He had them arrested and imprisoned. And he had it instructed that when he dies, they were to kill all these noblemen. And it was because he believed that when he died, no one would mourn his death. And if the, all these nobility died, then at least there would be some tears at his funeral. Isn't that awful? And these wise men, these teachers of the law, these scribes, the Sanhedrin... They allowed, they, they were more willing for Herod to be king over them than Jesus. Some wise men. <laughs> and so these magi, God's wise men, came from the east and they came to Jerusalem. And then they were told, yes, go to Bethlehem. And then that star, whatever that star was, was it was an unusual star. You don't often hear about a star arriving over a house and stopping. Because often the star, if it's up in the sky, it doesn't matter where you are, if you're in Glasgow or if you're in Salcoats or if you're in Kilwinning, the same star is there. To talk about a star that seems to be moving in front of you and then going above a house. Now it could well be a star, but maybe it's also, it could be that it's just the way that they described it. Could it be that this was the Shekinah glory of God? Remember when the angels came to the shepherds? We're told that a brilliance of light shone around them. A blinding light shone. And I just wonder if maybe that's what they could have seen there in the east. The blinding glory of the God, of God as like Moses in the Old Testament as he led them through the wilderness, that glory like a star shining above them and then came to rest above the tabernacle and then the tabernacle was filled with the glory of God. Could it be that whatever it was, that this was a supernatural light that shone and that led these magi there to Bethlehem and now this glory shone 
around the home where Mary and Joseph lived. When they left Jerusalem, we're told that Jerusalem, all Jerusalem, was in turmoil. Herod was in turmoil. Jerusalem was in turmoil. They, they, was, they were wondering, what is going on? And as the Magi, as these crowds from the east would leave Jerusalem, heading now to Bethlehem, oh, the glory of the Lord shone. That star in the sky. And now what are we told? When it stopped over the house, and this is what I love, is that when that glory of God shone above the house where Jesus was, we're told that the Magi rejoiced with joy unspeakable. They were overwhelmed with delight. They couldn't believe it. Is he here? Is he here? This is just a shack. It's just a, 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 it's like a hut. It's not a glamorous palace, is it? <clears throat> but yet the Magi, oh, their hearts were elated. They rejoiced as the star stopped over that home. And then they came with their gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, gold worthy of a king, a true king, is given gold and then frankincense and myrrh oh the fragrance that would have filled that home royal the royal fragrance of heaven frankincense was used in the anointing oil that was when you anointed a king the anointing oil had that smell also of myrrh and myrrh was used when you, at a grave, of, when you're anointing the body for death. Myrrh is often used. I don't know if the Magi understood that side of the ministry and life of Christ. But the Lord did. <laughs> and there we see, and even the gifts, Christ's life and ministry and his death. Jesus, this child who was born, King of the Jews, he was born to live for us. He was born to die for us. He was born also that he would be raised for us. This is Jesus. And the Magi came and they fell upon their knees and they just adored him. Isn't that lovely? They came to worship. They came to behold him and they came to adore him. This morning we're invited to come to the Lord's table. We've come into the house of God here this morning and I pray that as you take of the bread and of the cup today, Oh, that you will fall in love with Jesus again. That you will receive him. That you will know life in his name. And that you can leave here saying, I beheld the King of the Jews. I beheld the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And I've received new life 
in him. Oh, may that be your prayer and may that be your experience. And so, can I encourage you as we just go to prayer? Do you remember those Magi when they left? They left their homes. They left their reputation. They left everything to follow Jesus. Can I encourage you today? Will you leave everything? All the things that worry you. All the things that are bringing you down. All the things from your past. Whether you have regrets, disappointments, discouragements. Will you lay your all and just follow Jesus? Whatever it takes, will you just follow him? Whatever you go through. And so, let's do that as we pray together. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Lord, let us take it into our hearts and come and adore him. Lord, at this difficult time, we pray for the leaders of our country and ask that they will be men and women of honour that will set an example to the population. Lord, we ask you that you will move your Holy Spirit among the cabinet and shadow cabinets. We continue to pray that the new strain of the coronavirus will be contained. We pray that the new measures being brought in will be effective. But Lord, most of all, we pray for common sense and sensitivity at this time. We bring before you all the frontline NHS staff as hospitals again become busier with the rising number of cases. We pray for their health and their mental health as they struggle to cope. We pray too for the countries who have a low vaccination rate. We pray that there will be enough. We pray that they will be supported and there will be enough doses of the vaccine to get this virus under control. Lord, we think of all those children in Ayrshire who are living in poverty at this time. Father, we ask you to bless them and to bless their families. We thank you for the opportunity to bring our tithes and offerings and ask you to bless them and use them for the extension of your kingdom. And Lord, as we metaphorically gather around your table, we thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. We thank you that he was prepared to suffer that we might be saved. And as we share the bread and the wine, we ask that your Holy Spirit will move among us and meet our every need. These things, Lord, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as we now come to the Lord's table, let us attend to the words of the institution of this sacrament as spoken by our Lord and given to the Apostle Paul. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and said, This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it 
in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever therefore eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of profaning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person therefore examine himself, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. Amen. May the Lord bless us reading of his word. Well, we read in this scripture the gracious invitation of our Lord to come to his table and to remember him. We're not here to focus on how bad we feel and how awful our sins are. Yes, we carry them with us, but we're here to remember him. We're to look upon him. As Spurgeon once said, Yes, take a glimpse at your sins, but then take ten glimpses at Christ. For we remember him, the Son of Man who came to seek and save the lost, the Son of God who gave his life a ransom for us. But then in the same scripture, the Apostle Paul warns us to examine ourselves before partaking of the Lord's Supper. Because the Lord's Supper... The blessings that we gain are only beneficial to those of a sincere, repentant heart and who have a living faith in Christ as Lord and Saviour. And so let's examine ourselves as we just take a moment to pray. And so let's pray. Lord, as Jesus, on that same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. Lord, today we take of these elements to be set apart from all common uses to this holy use and mystery. And Lord, as Jesus gave thanks and blessed, therefore, Lord, we want to come this morning we want to bless you and we want to give thanks. Lord, though our sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Lord, we may feel that we're not in the right place. We may feel that we're not living the way we ought to live for your glory. Therefore, Lord, oh, fill us. Fill us, Lord, with your Holy Spirit. Cleanse us. Renew us. Lord, revive us. Lord, would you clothe us this morning with your strength. Lord, we come clothed in weakness. But, O oh Lord, O oh, may the robes of Christ's righteousness cover each one, each heart here today. And, Lord, fill us with joy as we taste and see that the Lord, oh, he is good. And so, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we bless you. <clears throat> 
We praise you and we adore you. Hear our prayers as we do pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Well, according to the institution, command and example of our blessed Saviour, the Lord Jesus, I now, <clears throat> I now take this bread and having given thanks, break it and give it to you. For Jesus said, take it. This is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. Blessed art thou, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who brings forth bread from the earth. And in the same manner, Jesus took the cup. Therefore I take this cup and give it to you. For this cup is the new covenant in the blood of Christ, which is shed for the remission of the sins of many. Drink ye all of it. Jesus said, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as often as ye drink it in remembrance of me. Blessed art thou, O Lord our God, ruler of the universe, creator of the fruit of the vine. And so now, may the God of peace, that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Well, we sing together in our closing hymn, and we'll stand to sing, O come, all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant.
And so may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God our Father and the fellowship, comfort and power of the Holy Spirit be with you all now and forevermore. Amen.